Hello Buglers and welcome to issue 4099 of The Bugle. I am Andy Zaltzman and what you're about to hear are highlights of the first few shows of the Bugle America Tour. We began in Brooklyn, then on to Washington DC and then Boston. Since then we've already been to Providence, Rhode Island, which was an absolutely delightful show. Tonight, as I record, I'm in Northampton, Massachusetts, which you might get to if you listen to this very quickly and or have a time machine. Then on the 3rd of March, it's Philadelphia, the 4th of March, Chicago, the 5th, Minneapolis, the 6th, Denver, the 7th, Portland, the 11th, San Francisco, and the 12th, Los Angeles. See you all at all of those shows. There are also Bugle Live shows coming up soon in Scotland, Glasgow, and Edinburgh on the 19th and 20th of March. Also, I'm doing a special three-night run of Satirist for Hire at the Soho Theatre, the 26th to the 28th of March. These are Brexit special shows. I'll be answering any questions on Brexit, valid or otherwise, to the best of my ability, or to the, to the worst of my ability, I'll decide closer to the time. So here are some of the choices bits from those three venues. Uh, oh, I hadn't finished writing this joke, I've just remembered. There we go. <laughs> that does sometimes happen. Those are the bits that Chris will be editing out. So... Um... newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Buglers. Please welcome to the stage Andy Zaltzman. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, right, I'm British. It's starting to sound sarcastic now. So, hello Buglers, hello Los Angeles, sorry Brooklyn, sorry, sorry, I'm always getting those mixed up, um, that's right, I've gone straight in with a 1950s baseball joke, <laughs> give the crowd what they want, so if you are uh, allergic to sporting references I suggest you take a powerful antihistamine now. This is the first live Bugle ever to take place, A. Uh, on the east coast of the USA. And uh, yeah, what a, what a coast that is. A lot of east coast fans in there. Easily one of the top coasts of the USA for me. Uh, it's the first ever bugle to take place on the 26th of February, 2019. Um, if you discount the live bugle that goes on whenever I wake up and start talking. 24-7-365, always on call. And it's also the first ever live bugle to take place with a full operational, well-regulated militia backstage <laughs> when in Rome. Um, so, um, uh, this is the bugle, live from the Bell House in Brooklyn. Um, doubling up as at least part of uh, issue 4099 of the world's leading only and possibly best audio newspaper for a, for a visual world. The visual version of a show that is, by definition, not dependent on anything visual. What the f*** are you people doing here? Um, by which I mean, thanks for coming. I'm always getting those two mixed up as well. Um, so, another quick straw poll. Who here... Who listens to The Bugle regularly? Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for your uh, support. Who uh, has never listened to The Bugle? <laughs> you are possibly in for a confusing night, so... Um, <laughs> uh, I should now introduce someone uh, without whom the show couldn't take place. Um, well, well, it could, it could, but it would be... 
even more chaotic than it already is, and that is uh, producer Chris. So, um, uh, let's uh, let's get on to here we are. Have we got uh, producer Chris? Here we are. Let's. Uh, Happy bugle. <laughs> Sorry, I can't be there. He can't be here. He cannot be here. He cannot be here, and therefore, therefore, he's been sacked. Sacked, sacked for not being here. But instead, we have an adequate replacement for uh, uh, because uh, everything is being automated, and for the first time, we have uh, a robot producer. There we go. That's uh, that is the uh, that is. By the way, the reason he's not here, a number of reasons, uh, you might have heard some of them, um, he's restraining order, well, partly, he is actually still wanted in connection with the Salem witchcraft trials in 1692, after he tried to dunk Mary Walcott in a pond, um, claimed he's just trying to train her up for the first phase of the impending Massachusetts triathlon championships, but they were having none of it. Um, also, uh, we have to keep one component of the bugle in Britain in case Brexit is brought forward unexpectedly. <laughs> Uh, also, Chris has just had a hip replacement, um, which is true. It's the best kind. You don't want a square replacement. Is this on? So instead, we have the producer tech Auto, Auto Chris 3000X, the fully automated robot podcast producer. Let's see if it works. Hello, buglers. There we go. <laughs> Hello, Andy. Hello, Robo Chris. So have you got anything else to say? you. There we go. So nothing changes. So we are recording uh, and performing this on the 26th of February, 2019. Well, you have just cheered the anniversary of the Christiansborg Palace in Copenhagen burning down in 1794. What is your problem with Danish architecture? You've just cheered the anniversary of Adolf Hitler, one of the naughtiest men of the 20th century, if I may quote the International Society for massive understatements. Ordering the Luftwaffe to be reformed, violating the Treaty of Versailles, and you've cheered that? What kind of f***ing monsters are you? Uh, as always, uh, some sections of the Bugle are going... Yeah. We have future food. What foods are we going to be eating in the future? We've all heard about how catastrophic the climate change is going to be for food. So what are we going to be eating in future? So we have the future food. Well, for a start, how is food going to be different no cutlery. We'll be too busy for cutlery. Competitive global economy. We'll just be troughing down face first on a plate. And what will we be eating? A, giant bees. <laughs> Why not? Uh, B, worms, obviously. Um, it's the spaghetti of the future. Um, <laughs> random bugs. Uh, we'll also be eating uh, odd cubes of strangely coloured mush. <laughs> That's really the future of uh, food. And old iPads. Uh, iPods. <laughs> got to make some use of them uh random stuff we find around the house and plastic bags now of course plastic bags are already very popular amongst um uh a number of sea creatures um have <laughs> developed a real taste for them um i mean they really absolutely i mean they found a whale that had eaten 84 plastic bags i mean that is more than a habit isn't it i mean that is it must be tastier than people make out but um and i've got people complaining about plastic in the sea and, uh, you know, those little kind of plastic things off the tops of beer cans. I just see those as S&M kit for sexually adventurous terrapins. Uh, it's time to meet our first co-host for today. We are going to try something absolutely incredible now using the wonders of technology. See if you can guess the Bugle co-host based on the following lies. 
She is acting Secretary General of the United Nations. She owns a bobsled. And not only that, she thinks that the bobsled will be the most efficient form of transport after the apocalypse. And we'll all be riding bobsleds and is terrified of toast. Any guesses? Well, would you believe it? Yes, it is. It is Alice Fraser. There we go. Let's, um, let's see. This is... There she is! There she is! Live from London. Hello, Andy. Hello, Buglers. <laughs> hello, Alice. Do you, do, you, do you want to see the crowd? Say hello yes. to Alice. There we go. Uh, hello. So, um... Oh, there it is. There is... There is Geraldine. Um, <laughs> so, uh, how's, uh, how's, how's London? Uh, well, I'm, I'm well. Well, I'm sick and it's one o'clock in the morning here, but uh, I had a good day. Uh, today, Facebook showed me an ad for spam and I had to report it as spam. <laughs> that is the logical end point of modern civilization, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, right, and it's time now to meet our second uh, Bugle co-host for the day. Oh, sorry. sorry, I forget, it's an international show. You've got to play people in with a national anthem. <laughs> so, uh, right, so guess the Bugle co-host. This is based on facts, three facts, about our Bugle co-host for today. Uh, firstly, first appearance on the Bugle. A Bugle debut. Uh, fact number two, he abandoned his 2020 presidential run to appear on this show tonight. That is the kind of dedication you are getting from the man you're about to meet. And fact three, uh, he used to work on a show called La Last Week Tonight. Last Week Tonight with this man. There he is. That's, uh, that is John Oliver as he looked before he came to America and smarmed up. <laughs> Uh, please, it is, please welcome, a huge bugle welcome to Josh Gondelman! Hey, Josh. How are you doing? I feel tremendous. Thank right. you for having me. That's, um, it would have been amazing if anybody had guessed me. <laughs> <laughs> Truly incredible. <laughs> One person in the back like, Gondelman! <laughs> Uh, oh, sorry, sorry, we've got to play you in with your anthem as well. Here we oh, go. thank you. <laughs> Did anyone take the knee? Did anyone take the knee? We're just trying to weed out the, the riffraff. Now, um, <laughs> so, John, welcome to the Bugle. It's a delight to have you on for the, uh, the first time. How's, uh, I mean, how's America? <laughs> I mean, you've seen him from afar. <laughs> And, and, and much like a, a, a firework, that's best how it's observed lately. <laughs> it's, it's intense. It's every day. Right. America's so not taking plays off. Because it's, it's what? It's, 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 it's two, two and a bit years into the era of, 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 of Trump. Have you got any Trump fans in? <laughs> really? <laughs> How? Oh, mate, you were in the wrong place. <laughs> and, I mean, who, who would have thought it? Here at a live podcast show in a trendy I, club in Brooklyn. Trump is more of a terrestrial radio fan guy. <laughs> <laughs> if this were on AM radio, people would be going wild for him right now. Um, I, uh, I voted for Trump. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
because uh, three million times <laughs> rampant voter fraud. <laughs> if you have democracy, you vote as many times as you can. Exactly. Yeah. I I love Girl Scout cookies. I you, you eat the whole sleeve. <laughs> Testify. <laughs> And also, I voted for Trump because I'd reached the, reached the conclusion by the time you had your election in, uh, back in uh, late 2016 that it was far, far safer if you elected Trump into the White House than released him back into the wild. He got real comfortable real quick, though. <laughs> He's really made it his own. <laughs> Alice, I think your laugh sounds even more evil at a range of 5,000 miles. Does right. she, does Alice? <laughs> oh. Flip the double horizontal bird. That's a high tariff manoeuvre for this early in the gig. <laughs> and this late at night in London. Oh, Mr. Oh, wow, wow. Does she see us or do we just see her like a, like a clinical trial? <laughs> <laughs> if anyone else wants to flip a bird to Alice phrase, we'll leave the webcam on at the end of the show. <laughs> 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 right, it's time for our top story this week. <laughs> top story this week. No sleep till Brex time. <laughs> but it's one for the Beastie Boys fans. <laughs> I spent a lot of time doing that this afternoon. <laughs> um, so we do have to talk about Brexit. Uh, how many British people are here? Uh, uh, welcome and um, excellent. And uh, <laughs> you'll fit right in, Josh. You will fit. That is right the depth in. of my political insights. <laughs> oh yeah, you can just add BR to shit. I'm in. <laughs> Let's do this. Uh, it is. Uh, it's all happening back home in Brexit land. By which I mean absolutely f- all is happening. The <laughs> prime, prime minister is hiding in a cupboard. The uh, leader of the opposition is pointing at a bench, saying, "Look, it's a bench." Um, and David Cameron, you see up there, uh, the uh, former Prime Minister, who uncorked this Jeroboam of inaction, incompetence and incomprehensibility. Um, he, uh, he is basically just... I don't know quite what he is doing. This is the only satisfactory way out of Brexit for me now. Because, you know, if we have a second referendum, there's going to be huge social duties. And if we go through with Brexit, there's going to be huge social duties. And the only possible compromise is to get David Cameron and chain him to Big Ben. <laughs> Like a modern-day Prometheus. <laughs> for, 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 as punishment for stealing xenophobia from UKIP and giving it to the Tories. And, and just have a crowd of British people just line up every... Not to rip his liver out, we've moved on, we're not that... Just to tut at him in a British way. I think that'll get us... Get it out of our, uh, out of our, uh, out of our system. Um, it's uh, 31, 31 days now. Uh, till uh, Brex time. So, uh, are you excited? As, um, as uh, I mean, who? Uh, so, who voted in the in the Brexit referendum? Um, and uh, so, did any Americans vote? <laughs> no. So we needed you more than ever. Then, does <laughs> our sh- special relationship mean nothing to you? This this is Brooklyn. Go go ahead. Sorry, I interrupted a woman across the world. That <laughs> can dude move. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I was just going to say I am so sick of Brexit just coming round and round and round like a recycled Christmas pudding, which is the worst cake. It's just a sandwich of apricots that wanted to live, just this <laughs> terrible, bland, sultana cushion. 
you know they invented refined sugar so you don't just have to squash things that taste better on their own. Let's cover it in alcohol and set it on fire. Yes, please. Oh, now you want me to eat it as well. F*** off, let it burn. <laughs> as I believe the British said on Joan of Arc's last time. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's very exciting. Who, uh, so amongst the Brits, who thinks there should be a, a second referendum? Yeah. Um, so you want to undermine British democracy um, and who thinks there shouldn't be a second referendum yeah so that is also undermining democracy there is no way not to undermine democracy democracy has taken a, a fearful whooping um, in, uh, uh, in Britain we're, we're still kind of and we haven't decided yet within this kind of bizarre game at the moment. there's no satisfactory way out of this we're in a kind of game of pin the least shit available tail as unincompetently as possible into the less damaged eyeball of the donkey that appears least likely to shit on our shoes while we're doing it. <laughs> it's, um, it's rough. It's also a little... They're, like, holding a second... Possibly holding a second referendum. It's so late. It's, like, asking, like, should we really break up, like, just after you moved all your shit out of your ex's <laughs> apartment? It's just like, are we doing this? It's like, well, y- y- the bed's on the curb, dude. Yeah, we're doing this. <laughs> But bear in mind, we decided to split up on one day almost three years ago, <laughs> and we weren't really sure about it then either. Yeah. Will and the like, and I thought Ross and Rachel were annoying. <laughs> <laughs> will they or will they? <laughs> so the thing is, we don't need... We don't, the, the problem is, we, we don't need, really need a second referendum. We just need to do the first referendum again. Um, <laughs> but have the proper, the proper question... Because they, they gave us the wrong referendum paper. Yeah, they gave us one. They missed off the third option that we really needed. Here's the, this, this is what they should have given us. Should the United Kingdom remain a member of the EU or leave the EU? Option one, remain. Option two, leave. Option three, I have absolutely oh. no f***ing idea. That is way, way, way beyond my sphere of political and economic expertise, obviously. I mean, come the f*** on. How the f*** Am I supposed to make a decision on an issue of such unknowable and indeed unmeasurable magnitude, especially when my inevitably incomplete information about the subject has been further undermined by a campaign of political dissembling, fact-skewing and outright bullshit from all sides, driven by shady, unaccountable vested interests, haunted by the willy-waggling spectre of political opportunism, caked in the fresh vomit of a bile-spewing media. Honestly, is this what we fought those world wars for? Three of them, two hot, one cold. In summary... Brexit is not something that can be objectively judged without allowing both scenarios to play out for a minimum of 50 to 70 years in otherwise equal parallel universes, and even then, we might be being a bit f***ing hasty. <laughs> Testify! In, uh... In, in America, that option is called Gary Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Gary Johnson also is the composite name for everyone who voted for Brexit. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of a a Western Boris Johnson. (laughs) Um, Boris, so I love a a cricket stat, as many of you all know. And um, this is tangentially relevant. Um, One of England's finest modern cricketers, Alistair Cook, retired last year. And I worked out that he had spent time batting for England in test match cricket, the highest form of the game that lasts five days and often ends in a draw. Um, It's the best thing ever invented. It's way better than all forms of reality. Um, I mean, you compare it with the news. 
I mean, cricket, I mean, or baseball. I mean, just have you not watched the news? Cricket's way better than, the, than, than reality. Test of, would you, I, mean, would, would, I mean, look at the news full of bastards and arseholes and suffering and tragedy and failure. Would you not rather watch a human being throw a small ball at another human being approximately once a minute? Is that not more soothing for our human souls? So, um, uh, well, Alistair Cook batted, I worked out, for 27, hour, uh, 27 days. 23 hours and 57 minutes in his international career. And to put that in context, that is the amount of time that Boris Johnson spends thinking about himself in the average fortnight. <laughs> um, it's amazing he spends so much time thinking about himself and so little time grooming his own hair. <laughs> I am not in a position to judge, judge him for that. What is going to happen next, according to the Prime Minister, is leave. Uh, we are going to leave, uh, and as you keep saying, leave means leave. <laughs> this is one of the things we've heard most often in the aftermath of Brexit. Leave means leave. Now, I took uh, the liberty of looking up exactly what leave means <laughs> in the uh, shorter Oxford Dictionary. And here we go. Leave, verb. And leave means... Uh, it gives 15 separate definitions of leave, including... To allow to remain in its current state. Which is, if nothing else, charmingly ironic. <laughs> Leave also means to bequeath for use after death. Which, given the demographic of the Brexit vote, seems entirely appropriate. Here you go, grandchildren, if you need me, I'll be in my grave laughing my tits off. They're, um, they were leave, but soon they'll be remains. <laughs> oh, there we go again! <laughs> you know what this crowd wants, Josh. They want 30 of them in a row at some point, but anyway. But then... It also means to give up completely, which is what the government has done. It also means to ignore like unwanted cabbage on a chilled child's plate. It means to depart from sense and reason. I might have made some of these up. And it means to f*** things up completely. Um, now, I have made up some of those, but, you know, I'm a product of my times, and uh, I didn't start it. I mean, what's the American view of Brexit, Josh? I mean, how do, how do you see the chaos well, unfolding? Uh... So, the American view of Brexit is what? But... <laughs> Personally, it's just nice to not be the only nation making colossal mistakes. It's like when you spend five minutes pushing a door and then you see it's a pull door and then someone else comes by and pushes it. You go, no idiot, that's a pull door. And you feel so good and you pat yourself on the back so hard. It is truly... It is wild to me that it's still they're still like, should we do it? Like, if they were talking about pulling out during intercourse for this long, the nation would be full-on pregnant. <laughs> I mean, th three puns already. I'm feeling redundant here. I'm feeling... <laughs> Alice, can you... Uh, anything else on, on Brexit since, I've, since I left the country the other day? Well, I think that basically the idea of Brexit is that Britain pre-EU is the hot girl you had a crush on in high school and you can't go back to her because time doesn't work like that. <laughs> now she's grown up and gotten complicated and you don't really have a crush on her now. If you could travel back in time, you'd realise she wasn't even that great when you were 12. Your memories are a bit blurry. She just had nice hair and seemed mysterious because she didn't talk much. <laughs> 
also you're a grown-up now and it's kind of creepy that you still have a crush on the idea of someone who's never grown up in your head you're a grown man who still has a crush on a 12 year old and in the Britain you're thinking about she still thought boy bands and domestic abuse were still totally awesome N nicely explained very nicely explained um, uh, let's move on now to America News Now. Josh, you're, you're president, you're spiritual leader, <laughs> your guru and your personal inspiration. Uh, Donald Trump is, well, he's uh, making a peaceful world right now. He's, he's meeting, uh, meeting Kim in a new, new summit. Are you excited about that? I think the fewer people he's talking to at one time, the better. <laughs> so, like, as long as he's talking to Kim one-on-one, he's not tweeting, he's not watching Fox News. There's only so many bad ideas that he could be both thrusting into the world and being pummeled with himself. So, I guess I'm for it. I think anytime he can be in, uh, the, the fewer people in a room with him, the better. <laughs> That's an interesting way of looking at it. Yeah. Um, Alice, how's the? Uh, I mean, is, there, is there much excitement about the summit back in London? I mean, people are pretty thrilled. Trump's gone out to meet Kim Jong Un to swap hair tips and bitch about why no one really gets them. <laughs> uh, he, he tweeted about uh, his relationship with Kim Jong Un and he spoke about it, saying it's a very interesting thing to say, but I've developed a very, very good relationship. We'll see what that means, but he's never had a relationship with anyone from this country and hasn't had lots of relationships anywhere. He reiterated that he was in no rush to press for North Korea's de denuclearization. He said, I don't want to rush anyone. I just don't want testing. As long as there's no testing, we're happy. And he said, carrying on, that uh, Kim Jong-un said, if we trust him, we definitely don't need to use protection. <laughs> Family show, family show, Alice, family show. <laughs> I feel like Trump has never had an STD test. I do, I feel like he's just like, that's the lady's responsibility, <laughs> like for sure. That's his stance. Has he, just... he had any test? No, <laughs> not in school, not at the doctor, not of his own physical strength. <laughs> just his dicky little ankle that got him out of Vietnam. So... <laughs> Um, uh, well, perhaps the most exciting element of this, uh, this summit is that Vietnam has deported a Kim Jong-un impersonator. <laughs> or, if you will, a Kim-personator. I will. <laughs> who had staged... A chap called Howard X from Hong Kong had staged a fake summit with Russell White, who is a professional Trumpressionist from America. <laughs> I just, do you not think this is the way forward for all global politics? Because, you know, people vote for these sort of figureheads, but they're generally massive c**ts. And if you replace them with someone who looks like them, so we think like that sort, they might actually get something... I think this is the future of, uh, future of democracy, to be honest. Is deporting impressionists? Well... I say we give it a shot with Alec Baldwin, see what sticks. <laughs> <laughs> The wall, Josh. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was, I was here back in, uh, in 2016. There was a lot of talk about, about uh, Mexico building the wall and, and paying every mm -hmm. penny of it. Um, I mean, I think it's fair to say it hasn't entirely panned out that way. Um, I don't think so. I will yeah. say um, Mexico has paid for 
all of the wall that's been built. <laughs> that's one way to look at it, right? No wall, no payment. I feel like he's kept his promise. He's, he's winning politics by dividing by zero. <laughs> um, any thoughts on the election next year, Josh? What, on the election? Oh, the 2020 election? Yeah, yeah. I'm, ki- I'm honestly kind of... Uh, looking forward to know people people make a big deal out of how many candidates are now in the democratic primary but i'm really looking forward to no republican primary <laughs> that's the that's the upside right is like it's just going to be trump like if ben sass tries to run against him he'll just be like no and then all the other republicans will be like he said no it's got to be no so <laughs> there's not going to be a republican primary so at least uh, the spectrum is going to be like hey, maybe we help some people get health care to like, let's help everybody get health care. Whereas when there's a Republican primary, it's like, how many people can I inject with the syringe I found on the street? <laughs> I'm rich. Legally, I should be allowed to stab. Much <laughs> market forces. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's what I call my syringe. <laughs> Um, uh, there's some very exciting New York news uh, as, you, as you may have heard um, New York uh, has, has been forced to return 5.3 million dollars to the government after admitting to fraudulently billing damage charges after Hurricane Sandy the 2012 celebrity storm that um, <laughs> clocked up a 71 billion dollar tab after getting wind crazy all over the east coast including a whopping 32 billion after a crazy night out in, in, in New York. So, what? Uh, apparently the city falsely claimed that 132 Department of Transportation vehicles were damaged, when in fact, they weren't. Um, many of them had already been taken out of service. But, I mean, this is, this, is, I mean, this is just how economics works, isn't it? This is just getting creative, Josh. Yeah, just moving numbers. It's also an incredibly, like... New Yorkers love to brag about how much they suffer on a daily basis. So this is the most New York thing imaginable. Just like, Hurricane Sandy, oh yeah, it ruined every car. (laughs) FEMA came, they said it made Katrina look like a chihuahua pissing in a ficus. Greatest city in the world. Yeah, New York is the city that never sleeps because it stole a bunch of money and has an uneasy conscience. <laughs> <laughs> also, it stole its roommate's Adderall. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the US attorney, Jeffrey Berman, said, when people lie to FEMA about the cause of property damage in order to reap a windfall, it compromises our ability to provide financial assistance. And then he followed up with, I probably shouldn't have said windfall. What a disaster. I mean, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I am devastated by a tor- tornado of regret. <laughs> I mean, blow me down, let's wash that from the record. <laughs> oh boy, wasn't that just the biggest Freudian property damage and loss of lives? <laughs> <laughs> Um, Alice, uh, you are uh, um, you are uh, the Bugles, uh, Donald Trump's um, sexual harassment history correspondent. Um, exciting new breaking news. Uh, yes, a staffer on Donald Trump's 2016 presidential campaign says he kissed her without her consent. 
at a gathering of supporters before a Florida rally. Uh, Alva Johnson said he grabbed her hand and leaned in to kiss her on the lips as, as he came out of a car, but he, uh, she turned her head and he kissed her on the side of the mouth. The creepy uncle kiss. Um, <laughs> Uh, in a statement, White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders dismissed Johnson's allegation as absurd on its face and pointed to a radio interview in May 2017 in which Johnson said positive things about Trump. Uh, she said to this Alabama-based radio show, uh, quote, he's just the nicest guy. He treats everyone as if they're part of his family. We... No, 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 no. You're better than that joke. No, we're not. <laughs> right, uh, let's move on now to tech news. Uh, in horrifying technology dystopia news now, a small up-and-coming technology company has been criticised for failing to tell users about a hidden microphone in one of its home security systems. The company, uh, it's called Google, you might have heard of it. Um, they announced a software update that would allow their home security system to respond to voice activation cues and questions via an artificial intelligence system that is neither Siri nor Skynet, but sounds a lot like both. The problem was saying there'd be a software update to the system that would turn the microphone on to listening mode meant people suddenly realised the hardware already had a microphone in it, which Google had somehow forgotten to mention. I mean, you have to forgive them, they're a small company. How could they have possibly anticipated the security concerns that would be raised by secretly hiding listening microphones in people's houses during a period of massive uncertainty about privacy regulation <laughs> and the overreach of unelected yet massively powerful corporate interests who technically make their profits by offering free services in exchange for all your secrets? <laughs> The poor little tech giant deployed a human spokesman to protest that the failure to mention they'd included a microphone was, quote, an error on our part and that it was never intended to be a secret, which I, for one, choose to believe because they can tell if I don't. <laughs> and what possible motive could they have for lying to their customers when their main source of revenue is literally monetizing your private information? <laughs> It's, uh, it's very, I mean, it's not really surprising, is it? I mean, uh, you'd be more surprised if Google hadn't put a mic. It's like the old parable of the dolphin and the man in the herring outfit. <laughs> it's just inevitable, isn't it? When has oh. when secret microphones ever gone bad, right? When has it ever brought down Richard Nixon's presidency <laughs> or gotten everyone killed by the mob? It's just... There's, like, no happy end to a secret microphone story. Also, I, I think that every device is spying on me. Like, I think this microphone has a secret microphone inside <laughs> it. I don't want... There's this whole trend of smart appliances. I don't like that at all. I want my appliances dumb as hell. I just want... Uh, yeah, I want to open my refrigerator. I don't want it being like, we've cooled everything to the perfect temperature, sir. I just want it to be like, there's leftover pizza. Let's party, big dog. <laughs> <laughs> There's one beer in the back you forgot about. <laughs> Just like, this, this fridge is an idiot, but he's my best friend. <laughs> Uh, it's not just Google that's been um, getting... Uh, oh, yes. Oh, I have two titles for this one, but you can tell me which one is, is okay. Okay. It's either in leaking ooze news now <laughs> or in <laughs> leaking leaky <laughs> news now. 
I mean, six of one, half dozen of another, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Facebook is suffering some abdominal pains after claims it's been receiving highly personal data from third-party apps, including the flow period and ovulation tracker. Uh, it apparently shared with Facebook when users were having their periods or when they were trying to become pregnant. And a Wall Street Journal investigation found that Facebook can receive information from numerous apps, even if, in some cases, the user does not have a Facebook account. <laughs> Which, yeah, let me tell you, left me feeling bloated and grumpy. Classic PMS symptoms. Uh, that's short for post-massive sensitive data theft stress, Andy. <laughs> I'm not talking about my period. That was last week, which you'd know if you asked Facebook. <laughs> so who has enjoyed... Uh, did you enjoy the, uh, the Cohen um, testimony today? Um, I mean, it doesn't completely show your country in its, uh, in its best light. I think uh, Donald Trump's uh, former <laughs> lawyer... Is that, have any, any of the rest of you use him as a lawyer? Do not get around a bit. Um, currently not riding that high, has to be said, in uh, Trustworthiness Monthly magazine's world rankings. <laughs> but still, the choice between him and Donald Trump. Well, what I would say about Donald Trump, there's an old saying, isn't there? Never trust a man whose eyebrows meet in the middle. Now, that doesn't apply to <laughs> Trump, but there is also another saying, which is, never trust a man who obviously f***ing lies all the time. Um, <laughs> Yes, indeed. Mr. Cohen made a statement about Trump to a crowded hearing of the House Oversight and Reform Committee, and boy, are my arms tired. <laughs> I feel like the risks of being a soft-hearted, weak-minded artist on a lovely lefty podcast talking to a thoughtful, com compassionate crowd is that you end up going for cheap Trump bashing. And the last thing I want to do is preach to the converted or pander to the prejudices of the audience by calling Trump a con man, a cheat, and a bad father. So it's always nice when his own right-hand man does it for me. Um, yeah, I mean, that was interesting. Racist, con man, cheat. Uh, he's basically a one-man Hollywood pilot, uh, pop plot. And it's, <laughs> it's, not, uh, it's not new, uh, to be fair, that phrase, because that's also what Donald Trump has in his online dating profile. So... Um, <laughs> Cohen said, uh, began with a statement, um, including these words really jumped out at me. And when I, not just jumped out, they, uh, they jumped out while ripping open their dressing gown and waggling their jumble <laughs> chunks at me. He said, I have asked this committee to ensure that my family be protected from presidential threats. This is what you've become, America. The idea that the president is quite likely to leave a horse's head in someone's bed. So, yeah, he included uh, copies of letters that he wrote at Trump's direction that threatened his old high school colleges uh, uh, and colleges not to release his grades <laughs> or SAT scores. And, I, I mean, I think this is fine. Does, not, does this not show that Trump is in many ways too modest for his own good? <laughs> Doesn't want to flaunt his absolute power deluge of A grades, distinctions, summas cum laudes. Um... <laughs> Special prizes for being straight-up genius. He humbly knows that many of his supporters are not, shall we say, academic high achievers like himself. And there's nothing wrong with that in his book, his well-studied, well-thumbed book. And he'd just rather not waggle it in people's faces. He says, you f***ing cynics. You thought he was... Um, Can you not take the man at face value? No. Well, not if his face is an obvious lie. An obvious <laughs> orange lie. 
Yeah, Cohen's statement reads like the heartbreaking confession of a man who has strayed from an essentially ethical core, admitting that he behaved incredibly badly and saying that uh, working for Mr. Trump was intoxicating, which checks out because he does look a bit fermented. <laughs> Cohen said, when you were in his presence, you felt that you were somehow changing the world, which is true. He has changed the world, but, you know, not, not in a good way. Uh, <laughs> So this, this is one of the details I most enjoyed from, uh, from Cohen today, that Trump, the, the, the charity auction for the portrait <laughs> of himself. Now, did you all see this? So he, he basically paid someone to put in a bid on his behalf for his own portrait to make sure it was the most expensive thing. <laughs> at the, I think he might have self-image issues, <laughs> given that this was an image of himself. Um, <laughs> He paid $60,000 for this uh, portrait using money from his own, basically stolen from his own charitable foundation. Great guy. Great guy. <laughs> um, and, uh, I mean, who would have thought a guy like that could win an election? I mean, he didn't really win it. But, I mean, he got, he got in. Uh, he, uh, Cohen also said, uh, I have lied, but I am not a liar. <laughs> Words with which I can sympathise. <laughs> Um, um, also, I have delivered a baby, but I'm not a midwife. Uh, the difference with me and Cohen is that I only delivered my own baby once. I did not deliver other people's babies over and over again using threats. So, so um, squeeze. <laughs> anything else on uh, Cohen, Alice? We move on. Oh, my favourite bit was uh, when he said that Trump had said of his own son that Don Jr. had the worst judgment in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a mean thing to say about your own kid, but seems to have been backed up when Don Jr. retweeted a, a thing from Garrett M. Graff saying, of Cohen, this is a man with nothing left, with no reason to lie or obfuscate at all. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, that's a reassuring signal that the president really does tell it like it is. <laughs> uh, right. I think it is time to end this. When do, I do have some puns, but I just don't, I don't think that's enough of a democratic mandate. All right, OK. That's, that's not, that is how easily things can change. That is... Democracy. Uh, so, um, uh, who went to uh, who went to university? Uh, so, um, uh, I'm quite fascinated by the American university system, and um, so I'd, I'd written this this big uh, big thing about uh, the American uh, college system, uh, but I wasn't sure how well it would go down. I thought it might split the crowd, and that uh, Harvard like it, and the other Harvard hate it. <laughs> no matter how hard I tried, even if I put in MIT efforts. Oh, come on, I'm busting my balls up here trying to get laughs. But uh, some people just won't have their leave now. Uh, they won't stand for this. Uh, they'll, uh, they'll get really brown, browned off. Might end up having a fight outside. We'll, we'll duke it out. Um, and I, I don't want that. I wanted to create harmony, not division. I've anti-built bridges. <coughs> um, some people will drown their sorrows in uh, drink. Have a Columbia, Columbia, Columbia. Um, at the bar, some will be ringing in a, in a dark corner, all be sitting... Oh, no, that was really shit. I wrote these... Oh, 
It's very late. Uh, some might have been warned by their friends who've seen me before. They'll have said, this guy's a burk, leave, before he gets to the puns. <laughs> Do you know that uh, my old podcast partner, you see on the screen there, his extended uh, family works in beer making. They grow uh, the crops that give it its distinctive flavour. Um, John's Hopkins. <laughs> still, still do that. Um, I had uh, one relative in the landed gentry back home, very aristocratic. She married a knight of the realm but was terrified of tall plants and any form of wood. So she banned them from her garden. She became known as the No Tree Dame. No Tree, no tree, no tree, no tree Dame. So I got that complete. It's fucking late. Right, um... Uh, it's very tough to write these. I no, Andy, it's early. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's very tough to write these puns. I write them all longhand on paper uh, rather than type, uh, type them. Uh, but I like to be able to make changes so I don't use ink and I have to carry my writing implements around in a special vehicle. It's parked outside, in fact. I've got my pencil van here. <laughs> pencil. Right. You asked for it. I mean, this is... You asked for it. Asked for it. And now, <laughs> now, now you regret it. You missed a great opportunity not to have this happen. Um, <laughs> so I've got a bit of a rice smile on my face. Maybe this is more, uh, more for the guys. It's not, it's not really girly humour. This, it's more boysy. <laughs> right, we're done. That's it. Uh, that's it. Thanks. Um, Thanks for coming tonight. Thanks for standing up for so long. Those you've been uh, been saying thanks for supporting the show uh, over the over the years. We've gone independent again, so uh, uh, we've relaunched our voluntary subscription scheme. Um, and uh, well, hopefully, I'll be back uh, with more bugle shows here uh, next year. But uh, please show your appreciation on a fantastic bugle debut, Josh Gumbelman. Oh, thank you, you guys. Thank you so much. All the way from London, Australia, and Flamingo Land, Alice Fraser! Um, I've been Andy Zoltan. Thank you very much for coming. I'll see you all again. Thank you. Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth, Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss Lime Bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you, you, you must be so excited. Listen now.